The Rangers pushed their chips all in for the season, but did they do enough to fend off the other teams in the American League? We're talking about all that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 1st. The trade deadline has come and gone, and the Rangers have made three trades. They sit at 60-46 and 46 alone in first place in the ALS, just a half game ahead of those stinking Houston Astros. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, the Rangers did make one more trade, a massive, not actually massive, trade for a catcher. Austin Hedges of the Pittsburgh Pirates is now a Texas Ranger. The Rangers, all they gave up in that trade was international bonus slot money. Not a whole lot to give up, not a whole lot that's expected of Austin Hedges. He is a fantastic defensive catcher who cannot hit at all. Think Jeff Mathis, except the defensive reputation will hopefully still be warranted when he is with the Rangers. Mathis was a guy who was regarded as one of the best defensive catchers in all baseball, but one of the worst major league hitters, no, the the worst major league hitter I have ever seen in my entire life. Hedges, at points in his career, has hit. He did have a 7-11 OPS in 2018 with the Padres, had 14 home runs that year. In 2017 with the Padres, he had a 6-60 OPS, 18 home runs, but a career slash line of 189 247 323 that is a 569 career ops but in terms of framing he is in the 96th percentile of all of baseball this season the 58th percentile in terms of pop time to second base he's been the top quarter of baseball in framing the last couple of seasons dropped off a little bit in 2021 um, but for the most part in his career has been truly exceptional. In 2019, he was in the 100 percentile of framing and the 96th percentile of pop time to second base. So the guy is here to catch. And I don't think that this necessarily means what a lot of people are jumping to that conclusion of, oh, Jonah Himes done for the season. Oh, Jonah Himes definitely getting surgery on that wrist. He might, he might be, but it's been less than a week since he was placed on the 10-day IL. He is scheduled to be back sometime between August 11th and August 18th. That was the generous estimate, and it is going to come down to him being able to play through the pain. And I think he can. I think that Jonah Heim can, and he will. I think he'll still have to get off-season surgery to fix the issue, and we'll see what that does to his timeline for when he comes back, if he's ready for the start of spring training next year. But I don't think this says as much about that as it does say stuff about the Rangers' current catchers while Jonah Heim is on the IL. It says that the Rangers do not trust Mitch Garver or Sam Huff in that role as their one and two everyday catchers down the stretch, or at least for these next 10, 
15 games, however many it is, until Jonah Heim is back, if he is back, which I, I think he will be. Garver is just not a great receiver. He is just not a good receiver. He Both of these guys are not great receivers. I think Sam Huff might be a little bit better of a defensive catcher. But both these guys are there for their bats. Mitch Garver's bat has been fine this year. He's on bases over 340. He's slugging 429. He's 769 OPS. Five homers for him in 36 games. That's what he's here for. He's here to hit the tarnation out of baseballs and be a fine backup defensive catcher. Or fine backup catcher. Not defensive. Not defensive really at all. But we kind of saw it in the horrendous umpiring this weekend. I think part of that was due to the umpiring just being terrible, but the amount of missed calls that the Rangers did not get for their starting pitchers, including that one at bat to Juan Soto by Cody Bradford on Sunday, where there was called, should have been called strike three and called strike four that ended up in a full count walk to uh, Juan Soto that really kind of changed the tide of that game on Sunday. I'm willing to just put that series out of my mind, chalk it up to some absolute nonsense tomfoolery that I will not be thinking about again. But I think that this is what that says about the Rangers just need a very good defensive catcher. They value, clearly value defensive catching prowess. They love Jonah Heim. They loved having him and um, and Jose Trevino here at the same time. Both of them were great defensive catchers, are great defensive catchers. And so the Rangers just needed a huge upgrade at catcher defensively because the rest of their offense has been mostly fine. I know it was in the tank this weekend. I think that's just a one series thing. I mean, they faced off against three very good starting pitchers that the Padres have in Joe Musgrove, in you Darvish, and Blake Snell. All those guys are very, very good. The Padres bullpen is also very, very good. So I'm willing to write that off as just a one series thing. Also, we found out Tuesday that Corey Seager is not going to be back in the lineup activated the minimum 10 days that we thought initially he would be. Got a kind of cryptic, not very descriptive uh, comment from Chris Young about saying, oh, well, he's doing better than we thought, which there's no updated timeline that I've seen about when Seager's coming back. I'm hoping that means sometime this week. The Rangers need his bat back very, very quickly because it's just, it's just incredibly important that they win every single game that they've got on their schedule moving forward. But they did what they had to. They addressed their two biggest needs. They got the bullpen, another right-handed arm, and they got two starting pitchers that are bona fide studs. Also, they shored up their defense at catcher behind Jonah Heim. I think that is a great thing that they did. I'm wasn't thrilled about it initially, the Austin Hedges trade, but seeing what they gave up, seeing the 40-man you know ramifications of it by the way the 40-man ramifications is that they had to trade Spencer Howard they traded him to the Yankees for cash considerations that opened up a 40-man spot now the Rangers 40-man roster is back at 40 spots even and uh yeah I feel like that's that's a fine thing to give up I didn't love it because I just I don't want to go through the Jeff Mathis experience again but I again I see the defensive value that that Hedges brings it's a smart move it's not a sexy one. I kind of would have liked one more right-handed reliever in that pen, but again, I'll take what I can get at this point, to be completely honest. This is a good team. This is one of the best teams in the American League, and one of the teams that has the best odds to win the AL and win the World Series among AL teams, according to Baseball Reference. The Rangers right now have a 13.2% chance to win the World Series. That is ahead of everybody in the American League. The only team that is close to them is the Tampa Bay Rays at 11.8. They did get some big moves from the other contenders in the American League. The Rangers were 
one of the most aggressive teams at the deadline, and I do love their acquisitions and what they gave up and why they gave it up and going all in for this year. But did some of the other teams get a lot closer to being the best team in the American League and chasing the Rangers with their deadline acquisitions? We'll talk about that in just a second. But first, let's word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every event in your area your area. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets to football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in your same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you are all set. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Shout out to the Everyday for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be looking at some internal candidates that the Rangers could call up to help bolster their team and fix these holes left in their roster. The Rangers take on the White Sox this week and catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers did a lot at the deadline, and it looked like there weren't going to be a whole lot of other teams in the American League that were doing the most. But pretty much every contender in the American League outside of the Twins who sat pat and did absolutely nothing, which seems like they didn't have to because their division is terrible and no one's even trying. And even the Guardians, who I believe were a half game back as recently as yesterday uh, of that AL Central title, they sold off because you know, why not? The AL Central is just an absolute joke. But everybody else decided to add big, especially the Houston Astros, unfortunately. The Astros traded Justin traded for Justin Verlander and Kendall Graveman, a relief pitcher who was formerly on the Astros. Of course, Verlander is a similar deal to what the Rangers got in Max Scherzer. The Mets are eating a lot of money, basically half of the money that Verlander is owed. Verlander's under contract for this season next season and then has a vesting player option for $35 million the year after that in 2025 if he pitches at least 140 innings in 2024. So that's a lot of money that they are not paying. The Mets are sending, I believe it is $68 million in subsidies to the American League West for just those two starting pitchers. But the Astros gave up a lot. They gave up their number one and number four prospect to go and get Justin Verlander. That was a huge, huge price to pay. The number one prospect that they gave up was one of their only like blue chip prospects. The only guy who they had who was pretty much universally a top 100 prospect in all of baseball. That's a high price to pay for a guy in Justin Verlander whose velocity is down, his strikeouts are down, the walks are up. The swing and miss is, is not nearly as, as much as it was even last year when he won a Cy Young. I mean, he really kind of fell off. And unfortunately, I think the Astros are probably going to end up getting the most out of him. And this is a move that really, really scares me. I wanted him to go to the Dodgers. That didn't happen. But the Angels were also one of the most active teams in the in the American League at the deadline. They got first baseman C.J. Crone, Randall Grichuk, Ronaldo Lopez, and Lucas Giolito. That is a haul for them. It really improves their team. They keep having injuries, keep having bad luck. I don't know that they're necessarily going to catch the Rangers in the AL West. I'm really hoping that they don't because that means something has gone really bad for the Rangers and something has gone really right for the Angels. But 
they are going all in. The Orioles did not do very much. The only other team that I think is, I mean, one of two teams that I think is, is closest to the Rangers in terms of their playoff success chances. The Astros is the other team, and they went all in to go get Verlander and Graveman. But the Orioles, all they did was get Jack Flaherty, who's a fine rental, and Shintaro Fujinami, who is a decent bullpen piece, who's volatile. I thought they would do a lot more. I thought they would be one of the teams that was heavy on Justin Verlander or Eduardo Rodriguez or something. I thought they'd do way more than just Jack Flaherty and Shintaro Fujinami. And it's it's fine. They still have a really good team, but I thought they'd be a lot more aggressive. The Rays were really aggressive. They went and got Aaron Savali of the Guardians. He has a sub two and a half ERA on the season. He's been very, very good. Excuse me, sub three ERA. They also got reliever Adrian Sampson, former Ranger great. The Blue Jays were very aggressive at the deadline in trading with the Cardinals. They got Jordan Hicks and they got Paul DeYoung. They saw that their shortstop had gone down with injury. Bo Bichette, he's it's looking like he's not going to have a 15-day IL stint or 10-day IL stint, but they did want to be extra cautious and go get Paul DeYoung because he wasn't really doing much for the Cardinals in their losing season. The Red Sox made basically no moves. They traded for Luis Urias. The Yankees were very confusing. They got Spencer Howard. They also got Keenan Middleton of the White Sox, which I thought the Rangers might be in on, but I just don't understand what the Yankees were doing. They needed bats. They needed left-handed bats. They needed all kinds of professional bats, and they traded for two relievers. Go figure. Their bullpen was fine. Pretty good, actually. One of the better ones in all baseball, but that's the only trade that the Yankees made because who knows? And the Mariners, who were just about as close as the Angels decided to sell, but not wholeheartedly sell. They sold Paul Seawald, and um, they sold AJ Pollock, um, but they didn't trade Teoscar Hernandez. So I guess they're kind of still going for it, but hedging their bets, I, I don't really know what the Mariners are doing. They needed a lot of help, and if they weren't going to go for it this year, I thought they should have just straight up torn it down. I, I, I guess they were listening on guys like Logan Gilbert and some other of their young, cheap, controllable pitchers, but it seems like of these teams, the teams that are, are going the most all-in were the Rangers, the Angels, um, a, a little bit the Blue Jays, and... Um, that's that's pretty much it. Nobody else was really going all that hard. I mean, the Dodgers made a bunch of trades. Good on them for, for trying things. The Padres were buyers at the deadline because, of course, when they swept the Rangers, that turned them in from sellers into buyers. And I still think that was probably the right move for them. But I'm, I'm glad that Blake Snell isn't going to an American League team. I'm very, very glad about that. I'm very glad that Josh Hader is not going to another American League team. So the Rangers won't have to face him either of those guys at all in the playoffs unless they get to the World Series and the San Diego Padres happen to be there. But I think the Rangers did a good job of adding aggressively and not being too aggressive and mortgaging the future. The guys who you brought in are Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, Chris Stratton, and Austin Hedges. The things that they gave out, Luis Angel Acuna, Takoa Roby, Thomas Sejaci, Spencer Howard, Joe Barlow, because of 40-man considerations, they had to DFA him, and international slot money. So, that's fine. That's great. Honestly, that is a great, great move for the Rangers, a net plus. This is why you have such a good farm system. This is why you spend all those years developing all this talent. This is why you don't get too prospect holy. This is why you do this. This is why you do this stuff. It's because you are shoring up your holes at the big league level. Jordan Montgomery is a great addition. And even though it costs Thomas J.C. and Tico Roby, and maybe Tico Roby will end up being a mid-rotation starter in two, three years. Maybe he will. Maybe Thomas J.C. will just be like every other Cardinals infielder and just hit 
300 with an on base of 350 and slug like 450 and play a bunch of different positions and everybody loves him and and that's fine and that's a good outcome for him i'm, I'm rooting for all of those kids that the ranger trade these are good kids and i'm hoping that they have success but the rangers are in it for now chris young understands going for it now is important and they did not mortgage their future by any means in letting up all of those guys but what holes does this team still have and is this justin verlander deal really going to be the end of it for the rangers or did the rangers actually end up getting the better former mets ace in their trade at the trade deadline this year we'll talk about all that and more in the third segment but first let's word from our sponsors Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On Thursday's show, I'll be talking about what the Rangers' holes are still on this roster and how internal options could be the move to improve. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. The Rangers take on the White Sox this week and catch every pitch of the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers still have a few holes in their roster. They still could probably use a little bit of an upgrade at DH. They probably could use maybe one more bat, maybe a little bit of improvement at center field because Leo Tavares has really, really fallen off in the month of July. In 23 games in July, he hit 236 with an on-base of 261 and slugged just 364, a 625 OPS. I still do think he is an everyday player, but he is not only, he's not going to be hitting ninth in the lineup at this point. It is going to be Austin Hedges whenever he's in there. And the Rangers will no longer have the best number nine hitter in all of Major League Baseball like they had for, with Leoti in the first half of this season. I think that Evan Carter might be eventually coming up on Leoti Tavares' heels. I don't think that we're going to see uh, Ezekiel Duran being an everyday center fielder. I don't think we're going to see much of anybody else who's on this roster. Maybe we'll see a little bit more Travis Jankowski, but he has also kind of fallen off a little bit as of late. His OPS is now down below 800, which is not a sentence that I thought I'd be saying with confusion in my in my tone about Travis Jankowski on August 1st, but you know, here we are. And I think that Evan Carter, I mean, if he's not called up like by the end of this week to AAA, then I, I don't know what the Rangers are doing. Like he needs some AAA seasoning and then get his butt to the big leagues on this big league roster to be helping this team win some playoff games, win some games down the stretch. I think he could be an important part of upgrading this roster. And, you know, I think outside of that, everything else is pretty solid. He's seen a little bit of a slump from Josh Young, not quite putting up those same numbers in the second half so far. It's been just overall a kind of a slog for most hitters in this lineup. I think adding Corey Seager back whenever he does get back, taking Jonah Heim out really cuts out the depth of this lineup. When you have a guy like Jonah Heim, who's just so good defensively and offensively in a 122 OPS plus hitter at this point in the season. I mean, and he's your number six hitter. That just shows the incredible depth of this team. We've also seen a little bit of struggles from Ezekiel Duran, which uh, is kind of a bummer when Corey Seager is out because you can't really take him out of the lineup because he's your everyday shortstop at this point. But we're seeing a little bit of slump, a snide from him, which we knew would come at some point in the last seven days. He's got an OPS of 347. In the last 14 days, an OPS of 520. In the last 28 days, a 582 OPS. So it, it has been a fairly prolonged skid for Ezekiel Duran. Only one home run in those last 
28 days. I think he's going to come out of it. I still do think he's an everyday player at the big league level, and I'm not overly concerned, but all of these guys slumping at the exact same time is just not a recipe for success. We did, we have seen a resurgence from Nathaniel Lowe in the power department and the hitting for average department in the second half. Marcus Simeon has been fine. I thought he'd step up a little bit more in Corey Seager's absence, but he's still been fine, still been driving, <laughs> driving this Rangers offense from the top of that lineup. Nathaniel Lowe is raised his OPS plus to 130 on the season, an OPS actual of 836. We have seen that improve. Also, just adding, literally adding one more arm to this bullpen in Chris Stratton. I know I would have kind of liked Scott Barlow from the Royals, who ended up being traded to the Padres. I would have liked to have added him, but it's fine. I mean, right now, you have a lot of guys that you feel pretty confident about where they are in your bullpen. Right now, I, I feel confident in high leverage situation throwing will smith Rolls chapman brock burke josh Bors, and i think chris stratton i haven't seen him pitch at all for the rangers but the spin rate on that stuff it kind of reminds me of a similar profile to josh Bors, a little bit less velocity but just a spin rate master the rangers finally have gotten the most out of josh Bors, so maybe they can do the same with chris stratton where the cardinals really could not and then your rotation looks like this it is incredibly solid max scherzer jordan montgomery john gray dane dunning martin perez andrew haney and whenever nathan evaldi gets back that is seven arms that you feel very confident in starting a game with any of those seven and you extend that down one more to cody bradford who got optioned to make room on the active roster for all of these new guys also yeri rodriguez was also optioned to triple a round rock to make room for these these new guys that's eight guys you feel pretty confident in starting in any game andrew heaney is starting tonight and then on wednesday there's still tbd who that starter is going to be john gray is going to throw a bullpen he could have started it would have been about a week since his last start um but still he's going to throw a bullpen on wednesday and he is going to eye a weekend start because on thursday the rangers will throw max scherzer in his first game that'll be against the white Sox. that should be a lot of fun and then jordan montgomery is going to throw his first start for the rangers on friday at this point i thought maybe he might start on wednesday but i'm thinking at this point that means it's going to be dane dunning's game but I don't really know why they haven't announced an official probable starter for tomorrow's game, which as you're listening to this, maybe they have. Um, but still, that rotation is incredibly solid. The Rangers getting Corey Seager back will be a huge, huge boost to this lineup. But we'll see what Jonah Heim looks like when he gets back. That wrist issue makes me really, really, really cautious and um, really kind of pessimistic about affecting whatever kind of offense Jonah Heim has when he comes back. But I think adding a guy like, I don't know, maybe... Maybe they do decide to to finally call up Justin Fossey because they didn't include him in a trade at all this year. I, I think that he will be a prime candidate to be traded somewhere next year. Maybe we'll see a little bit of Dustin Harris. If I don't, I don't think we're going to see him in center field, but maybe in a little bit of a corner outfield role. Maybe we'll see a little bit of Justin Fossey because I think he could hit at the big league level this year. Um, maybe the Rangers decide to part ways with Robbie Grossman, whose defense is just... <sighs> so incredibly embarrassing at this point i don't ever want to see robbie grossman out in the field again but if your d8 situation right now is a platoon situation of brad miller against righties and um robbie grossman against lefties i, I think that's fine i know i've been one of the bigger brad miller haters for a while but the last seven games basically since the all-star break when he's been forced into the lineup he has gotten seven at bats in that span hitting 429 with an on base of 636 and slugging 714 so four walks to three strikeouts in that span so i don't know 
he's fine. Maybe he's fine. I, I don't know. He's not horrible. He can at least play first base uh, passively, which is more defensive positions than I trust Robbie Grossman at at the moment. But still, I think this team could use just a little bit more juice, but I think that comes from internal improvements rather than external improvements. I still would have liked another trade for the bullpen, but Chris Young understands what the market was. He understands what it would cost and if it would be worth it. Those He knows better about his own prospects than I do and about evaluating um, external options like a Keenan Middleton, um, like a Scott Barlow than I do. Apparently Barlow has been really terrible for the last couple of months. I still trust that track record, but the Padres are willing to go for it because their bullpen is a little bit more depleted, a little bit over more overused than the Rangers. Um, so I don't know. I think that the Rangers, it comes down to that they did do enough. Adding two quality starting pitchers like Max Scherzer, like Jordan Montgomery, which I think for the rest of this regular season, we might see Jordan Montgomery be a little bit better than Max Scherzer. Obviously, the high end with Scherzer is is still there. We've still seen some really, really great starts from Max Scherzer, and I still think he's capable of that. I think he's definitely capable of doing that in a postseason. Having a receiver back there like an Austin Hedges, like a Jonah Heim, will help get the best out of Max Scherzer. We will hopefully see fewer home runs than we saw with him with the Mets. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case, but even if it is, I mean, He's still a solid middle-of-the-rotation starter. You still do have Nathan Eovaldi whenever he does does come back. We've seen the upside of John Gray, hoping that pushing him back until the weekend just gives him a little bit more rest. It was the last start he gave up six runs against the Astros, and that was coming less than a week after he took that 112-mile-an-hour liner off the shin, which he didn't even have to have an IL stint, which is a huge, huge thing for him and for this team that needed every single one of their starters before this. Now you've got a little bit of cushion there if the Rangers do suffer an injury to John Gray or if Nathan Eovaldi's uh, injury is a little bit worse than it expected or if Andrew Heaney or Martin Perez or Dane Dunning suffer some random freak injury or you know even if Max Scherzer gets hurt, which that would be... Truly upsetting if they trade for Max Scherzer and then he gets hurt down the stretch. But still, the Rangers have afforded themselves some depth. They have shored up their bullpen just a little bit. And I think this lineup, even though it's scuffling as of late, it is still one of the best lineups in all of baseball. It is trustworthy. And I think that going all in for this year is a huge, huge move. I'm surprised that that it took what it did to get Justin Verlander. I'm surprised that that was the cost that the Astros paid when they could have literally just re-signed him. They could have just re-signed him, but no, they let him walk for three months, go to the Mets and be fine to pretty good at points with the Mets. And then they give up their top prospect and their number four prospect or some people have them as the top two prospects in the system. I don't know, but they definitely gave up their best blue chip prospect to go and get a guy who is 40 years old, who they could have just brought back and have a little bit of salary added to their payroll this year and next year, which might make it a little harder for them to sign Kyle Tucker. I'm hoping that it makes it much harder for them to re-sign Kyle Tucker because I would very much like to see him on literally any team that's not the Astros anymore. If he robs one more home run from the Rangers in short right field or right, right excuse me, at the wall or make robs some extra base hit of the Rangers in short right field, again, I am going to lose my freaking mind, which it's probably going to happen because the Rangers play the Astros for three games in September. That is going to be an absolutely crucial series. And maybe we'll even see those two former Mets aces face off in Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, or maybe, maybe we'll see them face off in game one of a playoff series, which I'm really hoping not. I'd really just rather not face the Astros. And I really rather the Astros 
just not make the playoffs at all, if I'm being particularly honest. But this Rangers team was aggressive at the deadline. They could have done a little bit more, but I think that they made the moves that they needed to for sure and didn't go over what they really could afford or what would be prudent. They didn't bite on too big an asking cost. I know some people still think that trading Luis and Helicuna for an old Max Scherzer is not the move, but still for the contract they're getting Scherzer, for what they're getting from him and the upside that I think that Mike Maddox and the Rangers could still bring out of Max Scherzer, I think that is a great deal. You're going to move Luis and Helicuna at some point, moving him for a guy who is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer who can start you game one or game two of the playoffs and give you that upside of maybe giving you a seven inning, one run, 10 strikeout performance in a playoff game against a playoff lineup. That is worth the cost. So is Jordan Montgomery. So is Chris Stratton. And it seems so is new catcher. Uh, uh, about to say White Langford. No, Austin Hedges. One little quick note on White Langford while we're talking about it. He has played three games in the Arizona Complex League. Good to see him getting his feet wet. He got his first home run last night. He has three doubles in 14 plate appearances, hitting 385, 429, 846. I'd assume he would see full season ball at some point this year because he is 1.2 years older than the average Arizona Complex League player because he's 21 years old and was just drafted out of college. And he is absolutely crushing those guys. I can't wait to see what he can do in full season ball because that guy has got a lot of upside. Someone who the Rangers did not part with at the deadline also did not part with Evan Carter. Thinking about the future of those two guys being in the Rangers outfield on one of their next um, playoff runs could be a whole, whole bunch of fun. That's going to do it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow to talk about internal options to improve this team and this Tuesday night game against the White Sox. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. Until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.